0: It's good to be with you and those that are viewing us. uh, We thank the Lord for that. I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 28. We uh, covered most of them last week. We'll be looking at verses 16 through 24 in this service. So as we go to the Lord uh, and look at uh, the Word of God and ask Him to Just open our eyes to truth, the truth that he has for us. And let's just pray that we will heed to that and that he will bless us because of it. Father, we just thank you for your word. And Lord, we're coming to you, realizing that if we're to understand it, if we're to uh, uh, gain anything from it, that it's got to be you opening up our eyes to the truth. And so we just pray that this will happen. That what we hear will be your truth. Not opinions, not preferences, but your truth. And I pray that as you show us your truth, then uh, along with that, principles will come, that the Holy Spirit will reveal to us our uh, needs and, and uh, directions that we need to go in. And I pray that we will adhere to it, that we will submit to it, and Lord, that we will depend upon you and your spirit to carry us through all of this. So thank you, God. Just uh, open up our truth, uh, our eyes to the truth, and may we uh, just be obedient to you in honoring and glorifying you with our obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the uh, final chapter, we uh, read in verse 16, Rejoice always. Boy, that's hard to do, isn't it? Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete, without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I adjure you by the Lord to have the Letter read to all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. We, uh, we looked at verses uh, 12 through 15 last week, and, and we looked at the attitude uh, towards leaders, and it's to be an attitude of appreciation. We should appreciate that. But it should be an attitude of appreciation towards one another in the church. But then we looked at also the attitude that recognizes that we are family. And with that attitude, there, there were many things that he mentioned that we're to do. We're to admonish one another in the spirit, which we don't do a lot of times. We're afraid to do. We're afraid to, uh, to uh, reach out and, and share that uh, which is wrong with someone or give direction to someone. But that comes through family relationship. That comes through a a relationship together that's close, where you feel uh, close enough to be able to confront them. Encouraging one another was another one. Helping the weak. You know, we're a hospital that that, uh, is supposed to be reaching out to those who are weak, who have problems, who have difficulties, who have sickness. Be patient with all men and uh, not to repay, not to be vengeful, not to repay evil with evil. Then we come to this in verses 16 through 24, and we're going to look at the attitude that demonstrates worship of God. Now, as we look at this, first of all, he mentions rejoice always. Now, I don't know about you, But I find that difficult at times to rejoice always. But a thorough and and accurate understanding of Christian joy is essential here for all believers. He's not talking about being happy that deals with emotions and circumstances. He's talking about a deep-rooted joy that comes from knowing God and knowing who he is and what he's doing and what he's going to do. And so Paul tells us his exhortation to the Thessalonians is to rejoice always. Even though it may sound absurd and impossible to obey, but along with that we must always realize That it's a fruit of the spirit and a fruit of the spirit means that we can do it only by the grace of god by the holy spirit working in us and through us and so it doesn't come about by us trying to work things out and and seeing that things become more and more difficult in trials and temptations and and difficulties and us beginning to fret over it because we're doing we're trying to work through this in the flesh it comes by a divine nature uh, that has get instilled in us a new nature that gives us the fruit of the Spirit so any failure to do so constitutes really a disregard for scriptures clear instructions here and so uh, That means that if we disregard it, if we don't do it, if we don't work at it, if we don't uh, depend upon God in trying to help us through uh, our being that type of character, showing that type of uh, fruit in our life, then we are sinful in our actions. Um, Christianity constantly uh, flows from the uh, believer continually knowing to be true, Uh, To God and knowing that God is true to his word and that what he says goes and that it will come about that's so important supernatural joy is from the Holy Spirit not from us working up something or trying to uh, work it out through the flesh you see this so often in services where people will it seems like try to work up something through the music through uh, the preaching whatever it might be and try to work the individuals there up for the service now if they're really going to experience a true secureness the true uh, joy that God has for them it's got to come by way of the Holy Spirit I believe that that's why Uh, we are not experiencing God working in a mighty way a lot of times in our midst and in our churches today. It's because we have so often tried to work up something because we don't see it evident in our life that must come from a daily walk with God. Not just a Sunday episode, not just a Sunday stroll, but a daily walk with the Lord. Supernatural joy from the Holy Spirit only thus paul listed it as a spiritual fruit in galatians 5:22 so the phrase translated rejoice always literally reads at all times be rejoicing and emphasizes that truly joyful christians will always have that deep seated Uh, confidence in God's sovereign love and in his mighty power on behalf of his own and providential working where it's not man trying to work it out man manipulating it it's God working all things according to his perfect will and believing that believing that God's going to work it out and this is a difficult thing it's difficult when you're in the midst of problems it's difficult when you're in the midst of difficult people to have that. So a proper perspective on biblical joy provides you know, numerous uh, reasons for the believer to, to rejoice. And you've got to look at this. I mean, rejoicing, it always comes in appreciation. In appreciation of, of God's uh, righteous character. Knowing that and realizing that, the Lord is my strength and my shield, the psalmist said. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. Uh, Therefore, my heart exults, and my song I will thank Him. So, we should be thanking the Lord. Why? Knowing and realizing that He is sovereign. Knowing and realizing that he knows what's going on. He sees the overall plan. He sees the whole puzzle together. We don't. We just see little pieces. And so that frustrates us a lot of times. That even causes doubt and fear. That even brings about uh, uh, you know disrespect uh, and, and a lack of faith in the Lord and so we lose that joy because of that you've got we've got to believe and it's like i said it's not always easy but we've got to believe that god is in control in control of our health in control of our finances in control of our our life our family everything else and when things begin to fall apart that's difficult this is why it's so important to be a part of the church Like he was speaking to the church. He wasn't just speaking to individuals. He was speaking to the church. You need that help. You need that assistance. You need that togetherness. And so, you know, we also need to, you know, we rejoice. Uh, Joy comes out of appreciation for uh, what Christ has done. His redemptive work. I mean, just think about it. Why did it come about? Do you think God's going to leave us out there to be miserable? That's his purpose, his desire. When he came to suffer, he came to die. He came because he loved us. He came because he was gracious and merciful and compassionate. Do you think a God like that is going to cause uh, uh, push us into situations where we're unhappy and he wants us to be unhappy? That's why he devised it. No. What we can rejoice about is, even in difficult situations, is to say, God, you've allowed me here, and you wouldn't have placed me in this trial without a way out. You've thought me strong enough in you to make it through here by my dependence upon you. That I would trust you during this and I know that you will bring me through it and that you have an eternal hope that I'm hoping in that will deliver me from all things that are hurtful and and evil one day and so God knowing this that you're never going to forsake me then we can be more joyful we can rejoice because we know that he has given us the Holy Spirit and his grace to help us through all of this. But then he says, you know, with this, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. He's telling us to rejoice when we don't feel like it even. He's telling us to do it no matter how we feel. How can we do this? Well, when, as I said, when he commands us to do something he's not commanding emotions to change he's just commanding behavior to change and so the bible is not telling us to feel good when we feel bad to rejoice means to tie action to the divine will of what it is joy is commandable happiness is not happiness is circumstantial Rejoicing is linking what you are facing to what God says. When we have a bad day, what do we usually do? Well, if you're like me at times, you feel miserable. What does that do? Well, I like for my wife to feel miserable with me. What does that do? Well if you've got the children around, you like for them to feel miserable. And what does that do? Well, if you've got a dog around, they like for the dog to feel miserable. And if the dog's feeling miserable, watch out postman. If he's let outside, the postman may feel miserable as he latches onto his leg. But you get the picture. But God says it doesn't have to be that way and it shouldn't be that way. He says, I want other people to see you being able to face situations knowing that I'm in control. For his word says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. If we believe that God is working something good out of something that seems terrible, Even though we don't see it and understand everything about it, we can go through it rejoicing, knowing that God is doing a great work. We can trust in Him. But that takes faith. That takes us to the point where we've got to get to the place where we are trusting God the way we should. And that's difficult. But that is a walk of faith. It helps us become God-focused instead of man-focused. So we are to rejoice always. And then he says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing is a divine mandate to all believers. Prayer is from the common word used in the, Old Te- the New Testament excuse me, for prayer. And it encompasses, in other words, all the aspects of prayer, like submission, confession, petition, intercession, praise, thanksgiving. All of these are included in this general term. And so he says, pray without ceasing. That means constantly. So you're driving down the road and you say, okay, preacher, you told me to pray without ceasing. I mean, pray without ceasing, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop to my knees and close my eyes and, and mash on the gas with my knees and keep on going and hope that God protects me. <laughs> no, don't, te- don't say that I told you to do that. i tell you what, what it does mean is is there is a constant awareness of God. In other words, is in your heart a perpetual uh activity of kneeling and interceding talking to god while you're you know you're around people or or you're in the car driving or whatever yes your your mind is on the traffic or yes your mind is is being at where you are but it is also having that thought pattern that that reality of god being there with you and you being able to talk with him and and you know Asking him for help or asking him uh, to, uh, for someone else's help or, or whatever it might be. So it's a, a constancy in prayer life, a consistency in prayer life. The strong scriptural emphasis on prayer suggests a you know, substantial list of motivations for the, the Christian to pray without season. First of all, uh, you know, there's a desire to glorify God. We should constantly be glorifying God. That's part of prayer. God, you know, just thank you. Driving down the road, thank you for the safety. Look at all these crazy people around me. I'm only doing 100. They're doing 150, you know, or whatever. Uh, But, you know, you're going down there and you you, you see a beautiful sunset or a beautiful uh, sunrise. And you say, God, boy, you made this day. Lord, I just pray that I'll see you in every aspect because you are the one that's in charge and you know just praising him thanking him also for that fellowship with him god thank you that i'm able to do this it's not because of anything i've done but it's because of jesus christ and what he's done so thank you god Thank you for making all of this possible. Thank you that I can have fellowship with you and talk with you any time of the day, anywhere because you know what? some people are not with me all day long, but you're always with me. You're always there. And you know, Lord, you pray for the the needs God help this person with this need or or Lord help me in this need or whatever it might be and and then you, uh, you you might be praying, God, I've got some things to do today and I need to make the right decision. And I need to make the decision that will glorify you and that will glorify your kingdom. And I know some things that I could do that might help me, but Lord, it's questionable. And so I don't want to to do or make the wrong decision. So help me in this. Pray for God's wisdom. Desire for Deliverance from trouble. You know, God, you you say you tell us that you're going to deliver us or pray for deliverance from evil or the evil one. Lord, I don't want to fall today. I don't want to, to uh, make the wrong decisions. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to have the wrong attitude. I don't even want to think the wrong thoughts. God, you deliver me from this. Or, you know, a desire... Uh, for relief from fear and worry, Lord, I'm just worried about this. I'm concerned about it. I'm, I'm just being honest with you, God. Uh, I'm I'm having difficulty with this, and it's it's eating away at me. It's choking me. That's what worry means. And and uh, our Lord, I'm fearful of this. I'm, uh, you know, I've got a family here, and I've got to take care of them. And and Lord. I don't know about this job, I don't know about this situation, and I don't know the, you know the security there, but I have security in you. God help me to just trust in you. Help me with this God, because I need it or at home, Lord, my children they they're just not you know they're around all of this at school and, and around the, a lot of the wrong type of thought and the wrong type of Of lifestyle and and god i I have to work and and i'm not around my children that much and and we bring them to church and we involve them in church activities but that's only so much during the week and and lord the time that i have that's just so much is comparison in the hours and the time is a lot more with the other than with me and so god i just pray that that they will be god conscious that you will lead them, and Lord, that they'll allow you to lead them, and that they'll take the stand that that they need to take. Whatever it is, at work, church, home, what? It's kind of like a scratch. And that scratch needs to be itched. And that itching is, we could say, is taking us Godward and not manward. Bring God to bear in everything. Live the light of his presence. Make decisions with God in mind. This is an attitude that does not leave God out. And then look at uh, give thanks in everything in verse 18. In everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ. So in everything give thanks. Being unthankful is the very essence of the unregenerate heart. So Paul says, be thankful. Be identified with God. Have an attitude of gratitude. So when God regenerates an individual, he produces a new heart that is led to obey the lord and so in everything give thanks so that directive statement allows a believer no excuses to be ungrateful in everything he's saying refers to all that occurs in life no matter what struggles testings we may we may have and that may occur in our life christians they're to give thanks and thankfulness, therefore, should be a part of the fabric of the regenerate life. So we should thank God at all times. Give thanks in everything. Now the question is, are we thankful as Christians? Think for a moment about this week that you have experienced. How many times did you become aggravated over something that happened to you because it did not work out the way that you desired for it to work out. How many times? One, raise your hand. No, I'm not, I'm not going to have you raise your hand. How many times? I want to tell you, there's times in my life that it happens. I hate it, and I hate it when it does. Or something that someone did that you did not like. And you felt like punching their lights out, in love of course, but punching their, no. I mean, you you feel like it, you get so aggravated with it. It's just the same old thing with them, same old pattern. You say, wow, you want to shake them and wake them up and say, don't you understand what you're doing? Don't you understand you've been doing this all your life? And they shake you and you say, don't you understand what you've been doing? Or something that was said that you did not like? How many things went well during your week that you let slip by and did not thank God for? Oh, man, that's where we slip, isn't it? Not only do we get angry, we can all experience that and know that. But, boy, how many times have things slipped by that we didn't thank God for? It's like Debbie, and she's right. You know, when she tells me that, or asks me, did you enjoy the meal? And I like I told you the other day, yes, I ate it. She, she said, you know, it slips by, okay. It'd be nice if you said something that, that uh, let me know this. But she's right. And so I made a recording, and every time I will just press it and say, I enjoy the meal, honey. No, I'm just kidding. But we do that. How many things went well during your week that you just didn't even take notice to? Well, we seem to be unthankful Christians when we start thinking about that. What we need to do is don't get depressed about it, but confess it and, and then begin to find ways to thank god reasons for thanking god focus more on that now if we focus more on one thing than the other which is going to become bigger the things that we focus on it's so easy in a negative world to think negatively it is and it's no different in the church i want to tell you because you're made up of what you still have your fallen nature and you live in a fallen world, and you're confronted with the fallen ways all the time and their attitudes. And so it's so easy, so easy to be unthankful. But if we start focusing more on the positive and more on God, now I'm not, thinking about, I'm not talking about positive thinking, but on God and who He is and what He's done, and start thanking him for that, then it will help us in overcoming a lot of our negative attitudes. Then he says, do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Quench has to do with putting out a fire. One way that you can know that God is speaking to you is that the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and burns it into your human spirit, into your heart. You know, I have people that have come to me and said, boy, you stepped all over my toes. Some will say, man, I I could swear that you were in my house this week by what you said. Things that went on in my house. Or they might say, what you said today was just for me. It wasn't what I said as much as them listening to God and His Spirit and letting His Word speak to them. I can't do anything, just be a faithful vessel of God. I've had people get mad at me. Can you believe that? When I said, uh, you know, something, and I shared it from the Word of God. Now, I'm not talking about my opinions or my preferences. I'm talking about God's Word. Just plainly preaching God's Word. And they get mad at me, and, and you know what? They're not really getting mad at me, are they? They're getting mad at God, because that's what God's Word says. So God tells us not to despise prophetic utterances. Why? Because when you do, you quench the Spirit, and you miss out on God's blessing. So he he tells us that we are to be careful about that. Now, we've got to remember The Holy Spirit's role in believers life is a very important role or it should be by his sovereign power God through the Spirit has regenerated us right if we're believers in Jesus Christ he has made us new creatures in Christ now that is something miraculous I don't care what anybody says it's miraculous and God, through the Spirit, not only regenerates uh, you know, sinners, but also there is a transformation that is taking place as we yield to the Spirit of God, His Word, and His grace. And that transformation, He frees us from habitual sinning or sin. He takes residence in our life and he he is that light that turns on in our hearts and our souls as we approach things that we should not do or should not be saying or, or whatever. He takes up that permanent residence to do that, to lead us, to guide us, and also to empower us not to live the way that we used to live. He pours the love of God into our hearts. He gifts us. Or spiritual service. I can't do everything. As powerful. As one thing or two things. That he's gifted me with. That's why he's made up the church. He didn't make the church up for us to sit and sour did he? He made the church. To function for him. As body of believers, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback sitting back telling what's wrong with him or or them or, or the quarterback or the running back or the lineman or whatever. But it's another thing to shut our mouths and get in there and use our spiritual gifts to do something for the glory of God. So this is what he does. And we do it by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God has gifted different preachers different ways. We don't all fall into the same mold. Praise God. They look at me, they don't want to fall in my mold. Mold. And I don't want to fall into theirs, a lot of them. So what, what we do is we are to use the spiritual gifts that we have and surround our people in the church surround ourselves with those who have certain gifts that the Spirit of God can use. And I want to tell you, if the body of Christ is working properly, you're going to see the power of God at work in that church. But it's not going to come from one person, nor two or three. It will come from the body of Christ working and operating in the Spirit Spirit of the Lord. That's it. So we see that uh, you know we have that, and and we're able to serve the Lord and and have a concern and a love for others because uh, the Spirit of God pours out the love of God in our heart, and He gives us with certain gifts for service, and He seals us for eternity, and He sanctifies us. Unfortunately, though, as I said, if we're operating together and if we're functioning the way that we should as an organism, a living organism, not an organization, although there may be uh, uh, you know, operational structures within there that, that are, uh, help us carry out things, but in a living organism where all of us are involved, then we will see the mighty work of God carrying out his mission in that church too many churches think that they have to be a charismatic type church and nothing wrong with charismatic but charismatic type church where they live under some mystical understanding about the Holy Spirit that really quenches his sanctifying purposes like the word faith movement, expecting him to constantly perform supernatural works at the sovereign quest of the individual. We don't tell God what to do. We think that, oh, if, if we claim, name and claim, then we, we can demand God and tell God what to do. Show me in scripture where that tells us to do that. And so in turn, we go about, and what do we do to try and enforce that? We work up our salvation and our experience to make everybody think that, boy, we are really Spirit-led. And that's dangerous. The church's de emphasis of the Holy Spirit's working through the Word has led to, you know... A pronounced lack of, of spiritual discernment. There has been a general weakening weakening, excuse me, of doctrinal clarity and conviction because of it. Many Christians no longer think biblically and theologically. they consider it wrong and unloving to be dogmatic you know what i get sick and tired of hearing that don't you you're just fundamental you're you know uh, just a, a a preacher that's just pounding on the bible all the time you think it has to be your way you're you're not loving and you're not caring even on the most basic doctrines such as the inerrancy of the scripture and the definition of the gospel, it begins to fade. Why? Because it becomes subjective. Everybody is right according to how they feel. It's a feeling type of uh, uh, worship and service. And much of the church is no longer... In its thinking, opposite. They're wanting to pull everything together. It doesn't make sharp distinctions between true and false, right and wrong. Instead, it it embraces subjectivity, relativity, and pragmatism. Also, the image and influence have replaced the proclamation of the, uh, the truth as the essence of evangelization. One preacher said the the church is reluctant to risk offending unbelievers with a clear, convicting gospel message. And that's so true. Instead, it relies on marketing philosophy to present a seeker-friendly message that focuses on people felt needs. Boy, how we have become that. Fourth, the church has ceased valuing sound hermeneutics. By hermeneutics, I mean searching the scripture and finding it within its context, its original context, and making sure that you stay true to that and what it says. Many preachers no longer work diligently at the careful and accurate interpretation of the word. They've substituted antidotes, psychology, and subjectivity for the objective exposition of the Scripture. And church has almost ceased exercising, because of that, church discipline. it? It no longer deals with wrong. Well, let's don't be judgmental. And I told you that we as a church also, in that category, we have been. And I'm not talking about church discipline from the pulpit. I'm talking about dealing with individuals because you're close to them when you see them wandering away or you see that they are going the wrong in the wrong direction. And you care enough about them that you confront them. But that's difficult to do and that calls for a relationship and a firmness in our belief it's a progress or process of progressive sanctification by the spirit that Paul warned the Thessalonians not to quench quench meaning extinguish, stifle or retard in other words man you're doing what is right you're going for the Lord don't let anything come in your way so the Holy Spirit Is very important. And there's many different reasons for it, and we don't have time to to go through all of those, but we should realize that we should understand that. And it says, do not despise prophetic utterances. In other words, don't despise the Word of God and what it says. Because when you do quench the Spirit, you miss out on God's blessings for your life. We should not take everything that is said by a teacher, I'm not saying that, or a preacher that says, thus says the Lord. We need to understand what the Word of God says because much of what is being said are preferences. If we're not careful, that's all they are. Our stories that they like to tell. We should examine carefully everything that's said and yield to that which is truth. Only truth. I don't want you doing anything that I tell you to do it unless you examine it and you find it through the Word of God. I don't want to mislead you. I'm responsible for you. As far as the teaching and the preaching and, and the leading, and I don't want to lead you the wrong way. Absolute truth so often is being replaced by Relativity. Is not how well something is being presented or how good it sounds. that counts always. What counts is thus says the Lord, and that's coming from the word of God. Just turn in your Bibles to Hezekiah, and we'll find out. Hezekiah chapter 2, verse 4. Now, I don't see any of you turning. I hope none of you are turning. Because you're not going to find that. See, you're familiar with the Word of God. Enough to know. That preacher, you're going to a book that is not there. You're just making it up. And then he says, abstain from every form of evil. What happens when we do this? In verse 23, Paul tells us that God will sanctify us in every walk of life. Every area of your life, body, soul, and spirit, God will sanctify us. Verse 24, Paul says, if we abstain from every form of evil, God will sanctify us, for he is faithful and he does not go back on his word. He will set us apart. He will help us to be the the kingdom child that we need to be. And then he sums it up by calling for an attitude that cares for the family of God. In verses 25 and 26, Paul is calling us to have an attitude of relationship and love with the family. Pray for us, he says. Greet each other with a holy kiss. Now, I'm not going to ask you to greet each other with a holy kiss. I am asking you to pray for one another. But that greeting each other with a holy kiss means what? It means endearment, doesn't it? It means caring. It means loving the person enough that you're willing to help them, even if it means admonishing, even if it means correcting. That's what he wants them to do. And so he tells his church, he told them earlier, you're doing these things. Keep doing them. But people, have you ever made a commitment to the Lord and you got on fire for God? And man, nothing could stop you. And then before you knew it, you got caught up in a, a lot of activity or work. Not bad. But it led you away from that time of fellowship with God. And you weren't continually thanking Him. And it began to slip. And you weren't continually being conscious of Him. And and you began to slip. And slip further. And then you wondered, where is that? Where is that? This is what Paul is telling them. He's saying, be on guard. Don't let that happen because it can easily happen. Something, someone can rob you of that joy. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for your wonderful love and grace. And God, for being there for us and for helping us and for directing us. And and Lord, for filling us, for empowering us to be the kind of person that we should be. And I know that not always that is the case. I know it in my life. But it's not because of you, it's because of me. And so, Lord, I just pray that that you will help us as a church to be like the Thessalonians, to be genuine, to be authentic, to live that life that is conscious of you continually and, and uh, you know, that is bringing honor and glory to your name at all times. And when we fail and when we slip, which we probably will, I know we will. Lord, that we, you help us to recognize that and us to get back up on our feet again. And to humbly come before you for forgiveness. And Lord, for our sanctification to continue on the way that you would have it to. Where it would bring honor and glory to your name. Help us to be that kind of church. Thank you for all that you mean to us. Lord, we're not perfect will. But we serve a perfect God. And and God, we know that you can empower us to live certain ways. So help us to, to be that kind of authentic, genuine Christian at all times. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. God's dealing with you in some way. If you need to come and kneel at the altar, whatever it might be, you come.